Hi, and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Katie. I'm Alan. And we're married, and it's the holidays. We're still married. And we're still married. Jeez, 130 episodes? And you can't, uh, I don't think this is going to work. I was too excited to say the happy holidays part. It's true. I, you're going to say happy holidays and I'm saying Merry Christmas? Isn't it usually the other way around? We're, hey, you never know on the show. You snowflake. Which is also cute because it's December. Oh, and Aww. that's kind of derogatory, isn't it? It is. Isn't yeah. that cute? No. Okay. Uh, hey, happy holidays, everyone. Yay! And, you know, just to like mix things up this year we decided why not have a marriage on a tightrope christmas party dun, 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 dun. i'm now realizing i said couples christmas party and not everyone is celebrating christmas we're gonna talk about that we're gonna talk about how we handle the holidays but before we do uh we are gonna have a holiday party alan where are we gonna have it listen here we're gonna have it in salt lake city mm-hmm. it's going to be at Enlisted Design, uh, our good friend and listener, Bo, was so nice to offer up that space after we asked for uh, someone on our last episode to do that. Uh, That is going to be on December 17th at 6 p.m. Enlisted Design is at 345 Piermont, excuse me, Pierpont Avenue in Salt Lake City. All we're asking is for folks to bring something to share to eat. So it's a potluck. And also, if you would like to bring cans for a a food drive for the Utah Food Bank, Katie and I will be collecting that and dropping it off ourselves. Yeah. And if you want to find all this information or not, write it down while you're listening to it. We would really love if you went to our Facebook group and under the events tab on the left hand side, it's kind of like um, a little bit weird now. They've changed where they put the events. But if you go to the events tab, it is listed in there, the the Christmas party. And um, please tell us if you're coming, if you are a maybe. Not a lot of people say like, no, definitively, I'm not coming. It's usually just people that are going, going. or right. maybe going. Right. But that helps us give us an idea of how many people will be there. And that's really helpful for us. We will also have, I'll list like things that people could bring and maybe we'll have some sort of sign up. So anyway, look for that if you would like to come. Alan has um, promised to do uh, some sort of Christmas interpretive dancing at this thing. (laughs) I I just now agreed to it after you said to that. Sure, I'll do it. I'll do it. Someone asked, like, will there be dancing and music and... I don't we'll, know. We'll what bring this, our speaker. What I don't just know what to the play space. Some music. Yeah, and here, look. I know that if any of you have been to past like group like things we've done, sometimes it can be serious, and everyone wants to tell their story. And and we absolutely want you to meet people. We want you to get to know Ooh. others. Uh, we want you to be able to talk about you know your mixed faith marriage. I think that's helpful to meet other couples in the same space. But this is really meant to be fun. So come with your best party attire. That could be a sweater. It could be a I'm bringing fancy. My, my sequence tux. Sequence tux. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interpretive dance and a sequence tux. Hey, YOLO. I am super looking forward to that. Yeah. Don't don't expect the, the long two-hour go-around-the-circle type of event like we've done in the past, like Katie said. It's going to be light. Uh, we definitely will give everyone an opportunity to to chat with each other. Um, that's what it's all about. And we're going to be giving a few things away. Ew. So it'll be fun. 
just come. And if you're not a couple anymore, if you're not in the church anymore, if you've both left, I don't, I don't, we don't care. It doesn't really matter. You we can just, come, you can come no matter what your belief is. You can yeah. come whether you're married, single, divorced, engaged, it doesn't matter. We right. just want to, we just like the community. So yeah, come, come we want to see you. Yes. Nextly, we have two main topics to talk about today. And the last announcement before we get there is we wanted to say thank you for those that did see and donated to our uh, Giving Tuesday campaign there on Facebook. So we have one official fundraiser all year long, uh, or once a year we do it, and it's for Giving Tuesday. And we had a, a lot of donations, so it's much, much appreciated. That That is still up and going until December 9th. So if you um, just forgot about it or didn't see it and you still would like to contribute, if you're able to, you can go onto my Facebook page, Alan Mount, two L's, two A's, A-L-L-A-N, Mount. And one of my last few posts is that uh, fundraiser, and you can donate there. Facebook, uh, or Meta, I guess you could say, is still um, matching recurring donations. So the way that that works is if you want to donate $10 total, just put in $5 recurring, set an alarm on your phone. Once your second payment of $5 is there, Facebook actually matches all those $10. So you donate $10 over the course of two donations, and Facebook will match it, and that will turn into 20. So if you'd like to do that, you can. If not, you can just do a one-time donation. And if not, you can give us a high five next time you see us. We'll accept that as payment as well. Yeah, and the <laughs> other way is you can always go to at Marriage on a Tightrope through Venmo and donate through that way. Um, so we really appreciate that. This has been, like, it's been really sweet and kind to see the beautiful messages and donations come through. So Thank you so much to many of you who have donated already. Katie, do you remember what our second episode was about? Episode number two. Yeah. Nope. Nope. It was on church attendance and how we're going to handle church attendance. Now, I didn't go and listen to it. And I assume you didn't go and listen to it before this episode that we're recording right now. But a lot has changed in the now almost five years since that episode was, was released. A week ago from today, all six of us went to church for the first time in a while, I think. Maybe Mother's Day was the last time we all went to church? Maybe. What brought, well, That's weird. What brought us all to church on a random November Sunday? Well, I was asked to speak in church. <gasps> I know, right? And I accepted it. And it actually, I thought it went really well. It did. My talk was on patience. And I did all the things that were in my heart, which was, quote, Brene Brown, quote, Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. That's right. Uh, read, um, talk about a, a general conference talk I really loved on mental health. It was really great. The message itself was all about being patient with yourself and basically... Patience doesn't mean like waiting to get what you want. It's being um, happy with what you have now without any promise of what's coming in the future. And I thought it went really well and it played into the whole, um, I would say, gratefulness of the season Mm -hmm. and everything. So my whole family came and I had to say... It's not, to me, it's not daunting to like speak in front of people. I'm used to it. 
it's fine. Uh, and I was really, it was really glad to see that it was a, a full panel of women speaking. The youth speaker was awesome. She did a great job, talked about gratitude. gratitude. And then I spoke and then someone else spoke. And I just thought it was, it was a really beautiful Sunday. Um, one thing for those of you who are, have, have voiced very worried opinions and thoughts about what will happen to your children when they do no longer attend or what will happen to your kids um, if they don't feel comfortable or if they, they are there every week. So I have one child who goes with me anytime I go, like this child will always go with me. Sometimes this child says to me, mom, it's been a while. Can we go? And I'll say, yes, let's do it. But my other three have just no interest. When I told them that they were speaking, I'm not sure if Alan gave them this like pep talk, like we're going to go support mom, but they were all totally cool with coming. No resistance and really no pushback. Uh, And I think too, when you haven't been to church in a while, sometimes people feel shame. Like going back is is like, oh, I haven't been here in a while. And how embarrassing. Yeah, it might feel awkward. But we found it to be the complete opposite with our children. Our children haven't been since, I mean, except for this one child, since what, Mother's Day? And Alan, what did you observe happen when we got to church? It was really funny. So we we sat down probably seven, eight minutes before it started. And our oldest, uh, he's 16, he... We all get into the pew and we sit down and then he stands up and like goes into the aisle and starts walking around saying hi to everyone and anyone that he Shaking knows. their hands. Shaking their hands, giving them knuckles, giving out a few hugs, saying hi. Uh, and it was just like, here I am. Good to see you. And it was really, it was kind of fun to watch. Yeah, it was kind of fun to watch. And then the also, okay, so that's like, I think that takes a lot of confidence for a teenager who hasn't passed sacraments since he was like, what, 12, 13 to like go over to the sacrament table and like say hi to his friends and, and, and everything. And then walk back, sit down. I give my talk. I sit down. And then afterwards, (laughs) I, (laughs) this is great. So, um, they, you know, I asked the kids who wants to go to class and my, my two younger ones were like, no, I want to go home. And I said, okay. And we're standing there, and then I wasn't, I didn't witness this interaction. Alan can talk about it. Yeah, so I was standing there. We were chatting with a few people, and and our 16-year-old was standing to my right, and the young one of the young men's advisors came up and invited him to come to the second hour. I just said, hey, you know, I'd, Jackson, would really love to see you come into this, this second hour. And in these moments, you know, as, as the parent who no longer believes, we've just, for uh, years now have like our kids understand it is up to them mm-hmm. and that they can choose either way that they want to participate or not participate. And it's totally fine. So when, when the adult, you know, if you're sitting here thinking, Oh my goodness, I would be mortified if someone came up upset. to my kid or I would be mm-hmm. upset. It's like, we can kind of set some of this, some of this, what to do ahead of time or, just make make sure your kids know that that they have the choice and that they can say no to invitations or they can say yes or whatever they want to do they can do and they're not going to get any grief from us and our 16 year old when the when the young men's guy uh, when advisor asked him he just said no nah, no nah, I'm all right I'm good 
He's like, are you sure? Hey, we'd love to see you. And he's like, mm, I'm chill. I'm all right. I'm not going to go. Yeah, but our second oldest, he he was the opposite. He said, yeah, I want to come. I'll come hang out. And so he went to class, and we kind of stuck around and talked to people and then left with the other three kids. And I feel like that's a super healthy place to be. Yeah, My kids didn't feel shame for being there. They weren't embarrassed that they hadn't been for a while. They were fine coming. They interacted with everyone around them. And then they had the choice. So we've been doing this for five years. And I know that a lot of you are like, what happens in the future? You wonder like if what you're doing right now with your kids is going to make it different in the future. I'm going to tell you it is. Every kid's different. Every kid has different abilities, confidence levels, extrovert, introvert. Everyone is different. For our children, it has been a very positive thing. And that's how it showed on Sunday. And I was I was pleasantly happy and surprised. Yeah. And I'll, before we get to our last topic on, on this one, I'd love to say one last thing about our 14-year-old. The night before, so this is Saturday night, um, night before we all went to church, uh, he was with a couple of friends in our family room just chatting. So... Uh, one girl, one boy, and then our our fourteen uh, year old, and they're just talking. I was upstairs. It was getting late, so we had just put the little kids down. All the lights were off. I was I don't know what I was doing, going to like finish the dishes, more likely probably just grabbing a yogurt or something. So I, I'm walking. Let, to the kitchen. Let's use code names. So we'll say Allie and Aaron. Sure, Allie and Aaron. Allie and Aaron, and then ours is Hayden. Is our fourteen year old? So I hear them, and I hear Allie say, "Say Hayden, what do you?" Th- what's your deal with church? Like, what do you think about church? And he goes very simply, like you would expect very few words from this particular teenager. He's a man of few words. He says, eh, it's not for me. Like it's, eh, it's okay. It's not for me. And that was it. And Ali says, yeah, I've never really, you know, my mom, she, she stopped going to church when she was 17. And I've, so I've never really been part of it. And uh, what about you, Aaron? Is that what we said the second name was? Aaron. Yeah. And Aaron goes, I like it. I like it. I go and, and, and um, I'm interested. And I'm interested and I like it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's great. And then Allie said a few kind of really nice things about Katie and me because we're really open about where we're at. Not why we're at where we are, but they know that I'm out. They know that Katie's in. Um, they know about the podcast and... We love having their friends over because they're they're really cool. Especially Allie. We really like Allie. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. a nice girl. She is. So it was just really neat. It was a pretty short conversation, but it was really neat to see three 14-year-olds just very respectfully talk about their difference of participation and experience with uh, the church. It was cool. Right. And not only that, but they were like supportive of what the other kids were doing, which also extremely healthy such a healthy conversation to have not even one i can imagine not even imagine having having at that age some of you grew who did not grow up in utah who grew up other places i'm sure had conversations like this with their with their friends but not something you would normally expect so it was also like a nice surprise as the kids get older, as they're making their decisions, as we are trying our best because literally we are failing all the time here and there, 
it's like these little bright spots that make us feel like we're we're doing something as parents, right? <laughs> to influence our kids. That's not always the case. So, um, that yeah, that that's been a kind of a nice little thing. Okay, I'm just gonna like dive into this because we're talking about church. It's Christmas time, and Alan, you and I had a funny funny experience um, a couple weeks ago. So one thing I mentioned to Alan is how much I really enjoy and miss having Christian music in our home because that's something that speaks to me. I love music, and she's now, a big fan of Creed. <laughs> but now with the holidays coming up as well, I love having Christmas music playing literally at all times. Anytime music's on right now, I mean, we went through a phase with Taylor Swift's new album. <laughs> and after that, now it's like we've jumped and dived right into this Christmas season. This can be so difficult for so many people. Just the one exchange we had, I said, Alan, I miss Christian music. And I said, do you mind if I turn some on? And he said, sure. So we started to turn on just like a Christian music station. And that reminded me of EFY music. Okay, if any of you were missionaries in the like early 2000s, Y'all know that you brought your EFY CD with you on the mission. And if a new EFY CD came out while you were on the mission, you, you had someone it. send it yes, to you. Yes, you got to get that new music in. In our mission, it was like Motab, EFY music, Enya, which was weird. And Disney on, on when you're cleaning the apartment on preparation day. <laughs> and then when you get into like the Mary, like the Christmas music genre... Everybody is available. No one is off limits, right? right? So for Alan, it was in sync. Hey, Alan made me a mixtape on the mission. Yeah, I did. And it was an in sync Christmas. And man, kiss me at midnight. Probably that was on it. Probably should have left that one off. Probably should have left that one off. But um, so Alan and I, I'm like, oh, do you remember EFY 2000? Whatever 2000, I think it was. And he's like, let's turn it on. So we turn it on and we start listening. And we're in the kitchen. Katie's preparing some food. I'm doing dishes. And I'm I'm like, oh, I remember this. And then we skip to the next one. And then, you know, it's like these floods of memory that come back, right? And um and then I notice Alan's really quiet. And I said, Well, how is this for you? And I said, I'll be honest. Um and I don't like using, you know, Gen Z cliche words, but I said, this is a, this is a little triggering. This is a, this is kind of hard for me to hear. <laughs> and rather than get defensive, because that's what normally I would have done in the past, uh, I think we're at this point now where I'm just curious. And so I said to Alan, tell me about that. Why is it triggering for you? I think what I remember, and you fill in the blanks, Katie's got a better memory than I do. But I, I remember feeling like I only listened, only listened to EFY on the on the mission. I never listened to it before and I never listened to it after. So hearing music from the mission that was specific to the mission, it just kind of transported me there. And that like dissonance in my own brain of I remember loving these songs and singing these songs on the mission. And now, not only do I not love what the song is saying, but 
I also look back, I actually look back at my mission very positively, but like I wasn't preaching things that I believe in anymore. It it was just like a lot for my brain and my, my heart mm-hmm. to kind of deal with at the moment. Right. And I didn't have that experience at all. EFY music was like, oh man, I went to EFY as a youth. I went to those like dances and, and they were like really inspiring and uplifting. I was an EFY counselor the year, the year I got back from my mission, I spent a whole summer being an EFY counselor at BYU. And so, uh, just such polar opposite experiences. And also I recognize, oh, this is hard for Alan. One, tell me about it. And then, you know, acknowledge Wow, thanks. That that must have, that must be really hard for you. And then I turned it off, and I said, you know, we can turn it off. That's okay. And we did. And it was a it was a super positive exchange. So you know, now Alan, let me ask you. I play. I haven't asked at all if you're okay with Christmas music. I mean, we kind of talked about it, but I imagine so many of you listeners out there are like wanting to play me Christmas music in the home and maybe it's really hard for your partner to yeah. to hear it. How do you deal with that when I want to put it on? Um, for whatever reason, Christmas music doesn't hit me the same. Mm. Um, I With music in general, so like when we go to church or we're listening to church music or Christmas music in this case, I don't sing along to words I no longer believe in. Like that's kind of a emotional line I don't cross. But for whatever reason, Christmas music doesn't bother me. Um, so Nat King Cole can sing O Tenenbaum till the cows come home. Right. But what about specifically church Christmas music? Because it's one thing to listen to Mariah Carey sing. Oh, yeah. yeah and it's, yeah. and then, then it's another thing to hear Motab sing O Holy Night. Sure. I mean, the closer the closer to the church it gets, maybe the harder it gets. But my, my Nat King Cole comment stands. You know, he has a popular version of O Come All You Faithful. Mm-hmm. And like I hear that song and it doesn't trigger a lot of emotion for me. So I'm not terribly worried about it. Yeah. I think really the lesson that I would, that maybe we together would... To have the conversation. Like this is the the advice to everybody out here. Have the conversation and talk about what are you feeling when when this comes on, even in the middle of it. Like let's listen to this song and talk about how we're feeling about it. And maybe you've already had that conversation. Uh, maybe last Christmas. Sorry, that's a song as well. Last Christmas, <laughs> I gave you my heart. The very next day, you gave it away. Maybe last Christmas was a little more difficult, and you're ready to take it back to the lab and try it again. Right. And to see to see how it goes, uh, listening to some of these songs this year. And for some of you who are new to this, you're only a few months in. Maybe this is your first Christmas where this is happening. Have the have the discussion, the communication piece to talk about the ways that you can both honor each other. Where if someone really loves the music in their home, they can play it while you're gone, or maybe at certain times and. And that's like something that you both have to work through. But if you do not talk about it and then one spouse gets angry and the other spouse is unaware of the anger or that just builds resentment and then you'll have a blow up. So just avoid that and have the conversation now. It's much easier to do it, even if it's, you know, it's going to be a difficult one. 
Okay, Alan, so along those lines, um, I have a couple of different thoughts. One, we listened, we went to an actual Christmas concert by David Archuleta. Mm-hmm. And we listened to his little soul, joyous soul, <laughs> um, sing. And I felt like so uplift. I just love him in every way. Yeah. Um, and for any of those, I don't know how, how deep we go into this. Do we just go into it? Let's go into it. Okay, you guys. So Alan and I have this like l- love history with David Archuleta. Yeah, it's like a, an un- an unlikely unrequited love. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a one way street to be. It honest. is. It's a one way street. So okay, just a little bit of backstory about David. So Alan and I, um, we loved watching him on American Idol so much so that when it was the finale. Remember, we went with you, me, Jeff, and, and my sister, sister Jackie to the Delta Center. It was the Delta Center at the time yep. to watch the finale, to cheer for him, mm-hmm. sit there, watch it with everyone else. The second that they announced that the other David had won, Alan and I and my sister and our friend got up and we were like, that's it. We're out of here. <laughs> we like yep. walked out. Scene. It was a sad scene. We did take a picture. There is a picture floating around that's out true. there. We should probably find it. Where we were anyway. So that was kind of like our introduction to to David. And then David got asked to sing at the Christmas Motab concert. And Alan, you tell this story. We went. Oh, that story. That's right. Yes. So we, if you don't know, with the Christmas concert, they don't sell tickets. They give them away. So you have a chance to win free tickets to the conference center to go watch their Motab. um, Now Tab Cats. Uh, with whoever the special guest is. And that year it was David Archuleta. Well, we didn't know um, how to get tickets because we didn't win the lottery. We went on to KSL and people just, most people feel weird about selling the tickets for money because they got them for free and it's a church thing. So it feels, feels a little weird. But we posted on KSL, hey, we've got a Wii. We have a Nintendo Wii, new in the box. It was like the still the hot item for Christmas, <laughs> we have a new Wii on, in the box where we were planning on giving it to a family member or a friend or something. And so we put it up on KSL, which is like Craigslist for those that don't live on, on Utah with less weird sex stuff. And <laughs> we put it up on KSL and said, we will trade two David Archuleta tickets for this Nintendo Wii. And we got a taker. Okay, so I met this woman and turns out, I was talking to her, she was in the tabernacle choir and she's like she was so she was so awkward about it she she was like i don't know i feel bad i feel really bad doing this and and i kept reassuring her oh it's not a big deal we had this um i'm sure that you you will be able to use it more than us okay we were like young married poor students so of course we could have used it but it's fine anyway so she's like okay and so she gave us two tickets Okay, so here's where it gets worse. This, so we get the two tickets and the day of the concert, we meant to get there early, early, early because just because you have a ticket in a certain section doesn't mean you're actually going to sit there because they they plan for more people. They kind of like oversell basically the section and they put people overflow. Either you don't get a seat at all or you have to go sit in the like very top rafters. And because she was in the the choir, they were like 
good seats. So we get there and there are lines like all, I mean, it's massive. And we get there, you know, an hour and a half early. And uh, Alan's like, what should we do? And I said, here's your ticket. I have my ticket. I'm going to go in and get us a seat. You go park and I'll meet you inside. So <laughs> I totally, they start letting people, people are starting to go in and I do not want to stand at the back of the line. I totally pull this and I am, don't, I don't regret it. I don't. I, <laughs> I, I go towards the front where the door is and a woman stops me and says, no, 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 the line's back there. And I said, my husband's right there. I just had to grab something. And I wave to some random dude and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm right here. I'm like, see, he's right over there. She said, oh, okay, go ahead. Reminds me of Dumb and Dumber. Well, if that guy over there is Seabass, <laughs> go ahead. So then I, I just walk over to the guy and get in line and walk play right cool, in. dude play cool just, i walked right in <laughs> and then i went down and sat in the section and saved alan a seat and i'm so glad i did because by the time alan was able to get through the line and get in it was full the whole thing was full yeah so we we watched his concert loved it everything so then the next year uh we got tickets for his concert at bravanel hall it was another christmas concert and this time it was the concert where he announced he was going on an LDS mission. And the. It was a big surprise. It was Nobody a big surprise. Was Nobody, yeah. And like everyone stood up and clapped and cheered for him. Was so They were just so excited for him. And Alan and I did the same. Yes, we did. And then he got home from his mission and then he did like a little mini tour. And I went to another concert where. Um, it was at a high school. I think it was in like Bountiful or Layton. I just remember that the power kept going out while because it was overloaded with, you know, all of the electronic stuff. And anyway, it kept going out. So that was a really funny. Okay, so we hadn't seen him un- since then. And since then, right, he's like gone through this whole faith crisis and this whole sort of transformation himself about who he is. And then we go to this concert in salt lake that's right we got tickets uh sat very close probably what seventh row or something like that and it was a really really fun concert he he made kind of vague references throughout the concert about um his own journey of how this has been a really hard year and a half and but he didn't really say anything direct he talked about his vocal cord surgery he did talk about his vocal cord surgery which i'm having a similar surgery david and i are more more closely (laughs) anatomically than he realizes (laughs) That was a weird thing to say. So we, um, we're, you know, we're listening to him. He's singing these songs. And yes, he does get into some of the, that music that like, I'm not, don't agree with anymore type of thing. And that's just all part of the journey of like this beautiful, like 15 year relation relationship, quote unquote, with David Archuleta of where he's at, where we're at. And Katie's in a different place than me and than him. And he's having this crisis and. It was just really beautiful. Yeah, and he sings the song um, "Glorious," which is the song that um, he sang for the church that the church put out, and it was a, so beautiful when it came out, and it was one that I loved. It's like a symphony. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful, and so he sings that song, and I'm realizing like I'm in a different place and space um, since when he put that out, and so is he. Yep. And so it meant it meant more to me. And I, of course, am bawling my eyes out during that song. Alan cried at a different song. He sang the NSYNC song. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, which is very upbeat. Yeah. But it was this one of the songs that I put on the mixtape mix for Katie on the mission. So it was just like all of those emotions of like, used to be a missionary and now he's singing this song and our journey with him and my journey with Katie and I don't agree. And this it was, it was just like, like, it was like this crescendo. It right? was, it was. And then came the encore. And in the encore, he was not vague. <laughs> he got into his own personal journey, sat at the piano and just played a couple of chords while talking to the audience for about 15 minutes. He was so vulnerable, so brave, talked about his, his coming out and accepting himself for who he is as a gay man and what that looked like over the years, um, how difficult it was for him to be praying about this all his life and not knowing you know, why he was broken or not broken or whatever. And then his ultimately his decision to distance himself from the church and just accept who he is. He talked about his thoughts on on suicide and how he would think about ways that he could make it look like an accident. Yeah. And it was just heartbreaking. So, you know, we were close to the front of the audience for that. So we didn't see anyone behind us. A few days later, he was at, he was down in Delta, Utah and kind of performed the same show and the same, same type of speech at the end in the encore. And apparently some people, uh, stood up and walked out and didn't appreciate that, which will, we, we will both say for the record that we 100% support David and anyone else in their journey. Um, we are a, officially we can say that marriage in a tightrope is an LGBTQ affirming podcast. Yeah. Those do reflect the views of, <laughs> of Mormon discussions and of the hosts of right. Marriage in a Tightrope. Uh, and I, I want to say, too, I think that the way in which you present yourself um, matters, right, to your audience. And he knew that. And he was extremely respectful, was just told his story the way it was. And I it's really hard um, for me to hear that that people just can't even find the humanity or like have just such lack of compassion for, for someone telling their story, which is not what we do here on the podcast. There are major differences between Alan and I, there are differences between the guests we bring in on. I mean, we've had John and Margie Delin on, we had Tim and Aubrey Chavez on, and I'm telling you, I mean, there are, just major differences and yet there's it's important for everyone to listen to someone else's experience or someone else's story without snap judgment and i'm actually really happy that we put those last two out because a lot of people have said wow it's you know i've heard from so many that said wow you know the interview with john and margie really changed my mind about who they are and same with tim and aubrey that you know it was it was hard to listen to at at times but as far as their story goes i applaud what they do and i feel this way about david yep. <laughs> and so many people we talk to it it really worries me that um when we can't have cordial discussions yeah arthur brooks just a few years ago and i think i've said this on the podcast before but he's an author and he was uh, one of the commencement speakers at BYU graduation in 2018, I believe. And he basically gave his entire talk to the BYU graduates of the goal is not to disagree less. The goal is to disagree better. 
and we we can disagree. David gave gave his speech and he included a lot of language about believing in God. Yeah. And said a lot of things that I don't agree with. Right. And that did not change how beautiful it was for me sitting there as an atheist listening to this man tell his story. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was a really <laughs> I feel like the the whole night was like a spiritual experience. Um anyway. And so I know that this Christmas season is hard. Listening to Christmas music is hard <laughs> and deciding it, it can be, right? and, and deciding like how to work that out in your own marriage can be, can be a challenge. Uh, switching gears a second. I, I want to talk about sort of like the elephant in the room with Christmas, because this is something that's completely changed for Alan and I, and we need to discuss it right now, right now. Okay. Alan, we have a son that still believes 80% as he puts it in Santa and in the elf. Okay. Yes, we do. So this happened this week. I am not a fan and Alan's not a fan of lying to our children. And in the past, it's like, well, Santa, that's what we do. But as time has gone on, Alan, I think you're, you pretty much feel like we should not be telling them this stuff. Yeah, and that's not an uncommon side effect uh, of a transition away from traditional Christianity or whatever you may call it. It's, yeah, I just, I don't love and feel comfortable with Santa. It's one of those, we're, we're, since we're already in it so deep with our kids, it, I, I'm not, first of all, I don't know, there's a lot of different things to say. Um I'm not a, I don't think either of us are a put your foot down. This is how it's going to be type of parent. And since the ball's kind of rolling down the hill and our youngest is nine, for me, it's, it's like, whatever it's, it's the damage is done and it's probably the damage very, is done. And it's probably, it's very little damage in the first place. Okay. So it's like, I'm just using that phrase just because it's, it's a common phrase. But I've, so many of the listeners, they have little kids or they haven't had kids sure, and sure. they still have to decide how to move yeah. on. So our youngest son, he, our three olders already know, but he know, I mean, he's like on the verge of not belief. And I have prompted him so many times and said, well, I wonder how you could find out. Like, I want him to right. be able just to ask us, mom and dad, is Santa Claus real? And I, he will not do it because he, I just feel like he wants to believe. Okay. So Alan and I are like, we've both prompted him <laughs> to try and get him to like, just ask us. He won't do it. It's clear. He's our last one. I'm like, you know, just let's just let him. So the other morning I'm at the hairdresser, forgot to put the elf out. Uh, I was not, I shelf. hate the elf. You guys, I hate the elf. But I told Alan the night before, you know, he expects the elf to show up tomorrow. He he has told us this without any prompting from either of us. So what what is it that we're going to do? Well, I had forgot to put it out. So I called Alan. <laughs> what did I say, Alan? You said, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot to put the elf out. I, I'm not sure how you feel about doing it, uh, but could you could you put it out? What did I respond with? If I'm saying what you said, you got to say what I said. Oh, gosh. And then you said, okay. And then I'll read from Luke 2 to him. 
after I do that. So sure, I'll go put them out. Then I'll grab my Bible and read them Luke 2. <laughs> oh my gosh. And we both the laughed. Sass. Yes. It was a funny moment. It was not a tense moment. No, it wasn't. We laughed about it. So Alan put the elf out. Well, I get home and later that night I see that my sweet Zach has written a, a letter to the elf and said, I'm so glad you came. His name's Peanuts. I'm so glad you became Peanuts. You're my favorite elf all my life. Thank you for coming. And I'm like, my little heart's like, oh gosh. So here's the question, Alan. Like, even if you are out, there are plenty of people that still allow their children, atheists, Christian, non-Christian, sure. whatever, to believe in Santa. And we've had this sit-down discussion with Zach about what is what is Santa? What's the spirit of Christmas? You know, why do we celebrate it? Why do we give to others? What is it that we can learn? What is it that we're trying to take with us for other people? Mm-hmm. We've had this discussion. And I think all of those are good things. But if you were to do it over again, being where you are now, would you let the kids? It's, I think it's not quite the way I would frame the question. Okay. Because in the same way that you and I have to decide, how are we going to teach them about Jesus Mm. in the Christmas season? Sure. If we started all over again, it wouldn't be would I let it happen. It would be if we did it again and you wanted to teach the kids about Santa and I didn't, how would we approach that? We are a mixed clause marriage (laughs) at that point. And I think we would approach it the same way that we've approached other things. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is, we would ask them, what do you think about Santa? Because mom mom says that Santa is real and dad actually doesn't believe in Santa. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I think that's that would be the way that we would want to treat it. Because mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's you know, the there, there are also, you know, believing, fully believing religious folks that don't teach their kids Santa. Sure. So it's, it's just kind of a, you know, it's kind of tied to religion, but it's also not. Yeah. It's it's a weird, it's a weird one. It I just is. don't love, I just don't love it anymore. And that's okay. Yeah. And we're just about done with it anyway. Right. I think what's more concerning to me is why are we giving all the credit to a man? <laughs> yes. Why a not white Mrs. Man. Claus? Well, why not Mrs. Claus? She does all the freaking work anyway. Right. Yeah. Just saying. This is just another sign of the patriarchy <laughs> in, in society. <laughs> it's true. I, I, we don't, that. we don't. <laughs> We don't need to go. Why are we glorifying diabetes also? <laughs> Cookies and milk. I know the Rangers get the healthy stuff. I am not fat shaming Santa. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. We just opened up a whole can of worms with that statement. <laughs> Maybe we should erase that. It's fine. It's fine. Again, our last one is is almost at that point where we saw it. But I, I can just imagine that there probably is some tension or thoughts around that. And then the other thought I had was traditions. You know, so many of you have made traditions with your extended family, with your your family, and then when you go through a faith transition, um, one of those one of those really kind of heartbreaks can be how the tradition changes. And you know, we do like a nativity, a live nativity with my family, like every other year when we're all together. And Alan, is that still difficult for you? How do you handle like traditions? surrounding I think the nativity that. the only reason why the nativity is difficult for me is in the same way that um just religious conversations with with believing family are difficult for me as well 
is because I just don't have a part in it. The, the nativity itself doesn't bother me, especially since five years into this, like our kids, I'm totally comfortable with them hearing religious tradition that either you, uh, you believe or their grandparents believe like they are very much positioned uh, personally in a way where they can think about it themselves. So the nativity doesn't bother me when the, the kids are going to be involved in it. And I'm one of them's going to be a shepherd and our kid Zach was Jesus one, one Christmas. Cause he was a baby. Uh, that was before I left. But so for me, like the nativity itself, it, the only, that's the, just to recap again, it's the only reason why it is difficult is because I will be the only person sitting there that doesn't believe what we're representing. And that's just another, another example of why family moments that are centered around religion are difficult for the one that has left. And do you have any ideas or, or tools for anyone out there listening that is seeing their kids participate in nativity or participating in the Christmas choir at, you know, at church or whatever it might be and, and finding it really, really painful or hard. Yeah. I mean, I think you just have to trust your own, your own feelings. And if it's too difficult for you to be a part of, uh, don't be a part of it and talk to your kids about it. Make it the language of their understanding, but talk to your kids about why this is difficult for you, um, what they think about it. You, you, every each parent has the right to share what they do and do not believe with their kids. So if if this is really if if participating as a family around Christmas time and some of these traditions that you no longer agree with, if that is more uh, possible and and easier for you to get through, if you have a more frank conversation with your children or your partner, then have those conversations. I, I don't think I'm grateful that the goal for me during Christmas time is to feel zero discomfort. Like that is not my goal. It's okay for me to be around things that might feel slightly uncomfortable because of where I stand with my belief. The David Archuleta concert is an example. It was a beautiful night, but there were moments where I was like, ooh, and I talked to you about them after afterwards mm-hmm. of just some of the things that David said about God. I'm like, and it, it, you know, but. I still look at that as a very positive experience. So I'm going into the Christmas season with that same mentality of there will be moments with your family, just with our family solo that might be uncomfortable for me. And I should expect that. And that's okay. You just kind of have to know yourself because if it gets to a point where it is, it's above the level of comfort or discomfort that you are able to withstand you you need to pull yourself away from it. And then on my part, I'm going to say that for me and for those who are still wanting to continue their faith traditions with their families and their kids, uh, I would say that it takes a level of discomfort on your part to be flexible enough sometimes not to do those things, to find a way to do them um, without your spouse if they don't want to participate to find a new way, a new tradition, a new thing to do instead of that. Uh, I think that it's going to be a flexibility on both ends. But, you know, if you're the believing or nuanced person, find ways to include your spouse and share compassion rather than feel resentment like you um, you should, you know, I, I know I did at the beginning 
where I thought, gosh, Alan, you've ruined Christmas for me. You've ruined my belief. You've, you're ruining it because we can no, no longer participate in these things. I would say instead, maybe shift that thinking and that framework to, wow, my spouse is probably really hurting through this. How can I be compassionate? How can I be flexible? How can we include? How can we include my partner in this thing? And then, you know, the things that really mean a lot to you, I still feel like you should be able to participate in. You know, for my family, doing the family nativity is really important. So if if that's something that Alan can do with some discomfort and that I can participate in as well, knowing that he has discomfort and making me feel sad about it, whatever it might be, um, it's it's going to be a win for both of you to talk about it, communicate, and then come to some some sort of understanding. It can be both. Yes, exactly. I think exactly. it's a good thing to, to wrap up here is you can both be sad about the situation you're in mm-hmm. and lean into your spouse and recognize that it's difficult for them as well. Right. It, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It shouldn't be one or the other. Right. You can be sad and lean in. Yeah. And for those of you who are in it new and can barely get the words out, maybe you're hiding behind something and you can't, you just can't, I'm sending you all the thoughts and love because it can be a really difficult time. Thank you so much for being with us here today on Marriage on a Tightrope. We still have an episode with Carolyn uh, Pearson to get out. So we will do that in the coming weeks. But we have to take a little bit of a break. Alan is going to be having vocal cord surgery in the 1st of January. And so he won't even be able to talk. Lucky me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how that ends up turning out. You know, I would love to say for those of you listening, um, I know that we have some Jehovah's Witness uh, couples that are listening. Mm. Uh, We can't pretend to understand the complexity of the Christmas holiday season for Mm. for the Jehovah's Witness couples that are listening. we're both thinking about you. We, we, we love you. We appreciate that, that your situation is different and, um, in very difficult and very beautiful ways. So our thoughts are going out for you during this holiday season because of how holidays are, are and aren't celebrated, um, in your faith for everybody else. Uh, we also love you. Thanks for (laughs) listening to marriage on a tightrope. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. What else? We got Hanukkah. Happy winter solstice. All the things. All the things. (laughs) We'll see you next time.